everybody welcome to the 122nd edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage here in beaverton oregon the first show i can say i am a beaverton resident and uh we're really in mid-season form when we opened up the podcast i had my computer on mute i was thinking dustin was fucking up when it was really myself on mute i couldn't hear you because everything was turned off so i apologize for that but you know, we're recording, everything's going well, I feel pretty confident about this show, but the starting was pretty damn rough. Even the greats take a game or two to adjust to new circumstances. You're in a new home, I'm in a new apartment. Shit's done changed for us, man. It, it ain't the one-bedroom apartment, boys. Now you have a home and I have a pretty damn good apartment. We're on the come-up. I know, man. Growing up seems... You know, it always scared me, and then I realized it is pretty shitty. I've never felt more poor than I am right now. (laughs) You want to to talk poor? Bassey gave us a scare for the second straight Labor Day. Didn't eat or drink for about 72 hours. Had to take him to -to back-to-back vet visits, and, you know, $1,000 later. I mean, thankfully, my little little man's in tip-top shape, but... He scared us, and then my 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 pocketbook, my you know the bank account that that took the hit. So you know, we're definitely all about those poor weekends coming up <laughs> the next couple of months. You know, living off that top ramen, uh, that mac and cheese life. So I I I mean I've I've lived at your house for two straight weeks at one point in time. I know you don't have the mac and cheese and top ramen, you know, palate. You're you're more advanced than that. So to see you go back and slum it with the rest of us is kind of crazy. And, you know, I, I take I took care of Bassey. I Shit, I know he loves to eat. I have a sneaking suspicion he ate the food that I gave out for the other two kids. Because they were too frightened of me. So for him not to eat is, you know, pretty scary. And I'm happy he's all right. Yeah, he's good. But also, don't get it twisted. I'm about that ramen. You know, it's put put a put a hard-boiled egg in there. Soft-boiled egg in. Phew. It's a game changer. <laughs> I, rem- I remember in college, like, I-, I used to just steal hot sauce from Chipotle to make my ramen just that much better. I mean, yeah, I've, I've-, I've ate ramen for dinner a few nights in a row every week. I could go back. I'd prefer not to, but, man, I went to PAX West, and holy shit, Seattle's expensive. I spent a lot of money on food and booze, and, uh, you know, it's, it's time to, it- you know, it's time for me to chill with all that. I mean, I'm always going to buy food, but damn, I got to chill with the poos. And... <laughs> yeah, you kind of uh, ditched out on opening night, my friend. Oh, yeah, that you, you, you asked me, hey, do you have a hundred bucks to spare for opening night weekend? I looked in my shit and I was like, I got three dollars in my account right now. I don't know if I can swing that shit. That was rough. So I even had the season ticket discount, and it was $99 for 300 level. We're about four or five rows from the top. Um, our, our guy Evan's coming with me, a uh, longtime friend of the pod, Matt. He'll be there as well. This will be 
I think my 13th or 14th consecutive home opener. So I've gone every year since the 06, 07 season. I wasn't about to break the streak, but I damn near almost seeing that price tag for one game was, uh, it was kind of like shocking in, in a sense, because that's more than I paid for any playoff game. And I've seen Portland play the Warriors in, in round two, um, it just kind of blew my mind. And as soon as I, as soon as I knew we drew the Lakers for the home opener, it was LeBron's first game. I knew the tickets were going to be outrageous, but kind of pissed off of the Blazers for that price gouge. I think you really price out your hardcore fan. And, you know, I kind of went back and forth with um, a couple people on Twitter about this, but I really do think the higher price point is going to impact the amount of Laker fans in the arena. Yes, I understand that no matter where LeBron plays, where the Lakers play, they've always had fans in in the Rose Garden. However, when you price it at that level, you're looking at Laker and LeBron fans having two opportunities to see their 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 team or their favorite player. Blazer fans, we have 41 options. So it's it's not as dire. We don't necessarily have to shell out our entire life savings to see that one game. Or as you know, the Laker fans, they're saving up. That's what they're that's what they're saving their their money for is that game. There's really no price point too high for them. And so I felt like the price point was was meant to hurt the Laker fans, but in reality, it hurts all of the the Blazer Maniacs that aren't able to be there. And I know for a fact you would have been there had the price point been a little bit more reasonable. I would have been able to afford another ticket for Olga. I probably could have bought my parents' tickets to, uh as well, but because of that there's at least three or four Blazer fans just right there that are not going to be in the arena. Yeah, it, it definitely incentivizes those Laker fans that happen to live in Oregon to like go to these games because, hey, you get to see your dude. I mean, I remember when I went to the Hornets games, I would pay, pay more money to go see David West and Chris Paul or to see Gustavo Ione and shit Jason Smith. I, I watched a lot of bad basketball in my day. But we are not talking about the Hornets of old. We are talking... Portland Trailblazers in this 2018-19 season. We've had we've had a, a nice little break. How do you feel about this offseason? Because I mean, that's kind of a reason why we had the break because there, <laughs> was, there was no offseason. Sage, what did we do? I mean, re- honestly, like, what did the Blazers do? You're looking at a team coming off of a 13-game win streak. They win 49 games. They get the third seed in the Western Conference, and then they fall flat on their face. They got punched in the mouth, and they never were able to respond, and they got knocked out, you know, for zip to the a really good New Orleans Pelican team. And I don't think anyone would have been surprised had New Orleans won in seven. But to go 4-0 in that game three was just, you know, a non-contest. If I'm Neil O'Shea and Paul Allen, I'm kind of thinking, okay, we need to revamp. Uh, we have Dame and CJ going to the prime of their careers. This is the direction we want to go. We have the Alan Crabb, you know, trade exception at you know nearly thirteen million dollars. Um, we have a couple of free agents on our books that we'd love to bring back. Instead, you let that thirteen million dollar trade exception expire. You don't use the mid level exception on Seth Curry. So now, if Seth Curry balls out next year. We can't just go over the salary cap to sign him. We have to use all our mid-level. And if he balls out that much, he we could price ourselves out of our own player that we signed. 
just a, a magnificent clusterfuck of, of a move by Neil Olshay and the Trailblazers organization. And they bring in Nick Stauskas, who is a shittier version of Pat Connaughton. And we let the heart and soul of the team go in Ed Davis for, I believe he got a two year deal at $4 million a year, which is the so, mid level, which is less than our mid level exception. We could have given him the two year MLE and not had 17 million guards on our team that are all little. What 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 are the Trailblazers going to do? And we'll get into this. If Yusef Nurkic gets hurt, we have we have no bench. We have we're one injury away from Myers Leonard playing meaningful minutes this year. We're one injury away from being a bottom feeder, not just a lottery team, a bottom feeder. That that is the margin of error this team is. Oh, it's deciding. so thin. It is so damn thin. It's literally one injury at a key position, and we're fucked. And I was not a fan of letting Shabazz walk. He got a very favorable deal going to Brooklyn. I, I felt like Shabazz was playing with an injury throughout the second, probably half of the season. And you could see his performance kind of taper off. But there were times when he, Damon, CJ were that three guard lineup. And he specifically sparked wins on his own. And, you know, we let him go. So I'm sitting here wondering, what are the Blazers going to do? You know, we had the draft podcast. I, I think Portland is, is is fine there. They could have gotten some players that made a little bit more impact. But realistically, when you finish with 49 wins, you're not going to have much choice. You either go high upside or you go, you know, collegiate specialist. They decided to go, you know, Anthony Simons and then Gary Trent Jr., I personally would have rather had seen us not sign Stauskas at all and just say, here, Gary Trent, these minutes – are up for grabs and you can, you know, kind of take them as, as you earn them. But, you know, realistically the only saving grace for Neil O'Shea was getting use of Nurkic on that four year, $40 million contract, getting him for 12 million a year, I thought was a solid deal. He proved that he was durable, you know, knock on wood last year playing the majority of his games, but the Nurk fever was gone the dominant post player that we saw during that spring uh, of 2017 is gone. And he does provide a nice defensive presence. And I think he is an above average center and a player in this league. But I don't know if you no longer can consider him the third part of your big three. I think he's now more of just a really solid starter. Yeah. And the thing about the 13 game streak was we were rebounding the ball really, really well. Nurkic, for as good as he can be, he's not the best rebounder in the world. Where we got our rebounding is from Alfaruk Aminu and Ed Davis. So taking out a big piece of why we were dominant in the games that we really needed to win to get the third seed just seems silly to let him go for... I guess Seth Curry's good. And then we, we basically traded Ed Davis for Seth Curry... And Gary Trent Jr., who we use part of the MLE on. And that just doesn't seem like a good trade in any aspect because of how useful his rebounding and offensive rebounding is. He kept so many possessions alive. And, like, if you look at Ed Davis's numbers last year, he was, like, the best offensive rebounder per, like, all the advanced stats. So we lose that. And it, it it's just frustrating because we have so many guards. We drafted a guard that has a lot of the skill set that Seth Curry has. I mean, he might not play a lot, but we ha- we have a lot a dearth of those guards and we don't have bigs. So it seemed like a weird way to spend the small assets that we have. And I mean like 
Nick Stauskas was there. He would have been there for a long time. We didn't need the first signing of this offseason to be Nick Stauskas. I would have waited and seen what was available. I mean, like, players like Jaleel Okafor went for the minimum. Guys that could have helped us, like uh, Tyrone Wallace was there for a really team-friendly deal. So it seems like we just rushed into these these signings when we could have taken our time because there were still good players available a week ago to, for us to sign. But rushing into it just seems like, just Neil, what the fuck are you doing? We had time. It's not like these 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 good players are going to get those big deals. Nick Stauskas was there. I personally would have loved to see them go after Vince Carter. Oh, yeah, he would have been a great vet. Who Who's our vet now? Because that Davis is gone. Is it Aminu? And just think, we could easily trade Aminu this summer. He's a free agent. Add him and Mo Harkless and we can get a piece. But, like, where is the vet? There is no vet on this team unless you think Dave Lillard can be the star player and then the vet that, like, teaches all of these young dudes how to play the game in a professional setting. Yeah, it's kind of tough when you ask your star player to be the vet, to be the role model, to be the guy that takes everyone aside. Like, you have to have your star player, and you have to have basically his bodyguard. And that's essentially what Ed Davis was, that voice in the locker room, that that guy who was just going to make sure everybody was on their P's and Q's. And it's just not a good look when your franchise player says, I want to bring this guy back, and... He leaves day one of free agency to one of the worst teams in the league on a A damn good contract, a really cheap deal. Like, I I don't know what that says. I know Neil Olshay is obsessed with his own draft picks, and I'm sure he is smitten by Caleb Swanigan. But we've discussed this, you know, ad nauseum. I don't think Caleb Swanigan is Ed Davis. Can Caleb Swanigan produce at the NBA level? I, I don't have Maybe. I don't have my doubts there. I, I think he's uh, an extremely gifted passer. I think used in the right system, he could be a nice pick and pop player. But he's not going to be able to score around the rim like Ed Davis. He's not as crafty as a guy like Zach Randolph uh, because they're similar size, both really non-athletic. Mm-hmm. So he's going to have to really work on that part of his game. And we're not even factoring the defensive aspect. Yeah, the help side defense, man. This was an extremely strong defender, and we're not going to get that with with Caleb. The whole idea that Neil said, you know, we had to let Ed go because we saw that spacing was was evident in that New Orleans series. They're going to do the same thing to Caleb. They're going to put him out on the perimeter and make him guard, and he he simply hasn't shown that. Could you imagine him against a Nico Meritic? Like, that's going to be disgusting. And smart teams with, like, yo, how many teams have a power forward or a center that is unathletic? There's not many teams in this day and age in the NBA where, you know, versatility and speed is such a thing where Caleb Swanigan can even be on the floor defensively without being a sieve. So, yeah, there is spacing issues, but let's be real. Afaruk Aminu was a big reason there were spacing issues. The Pelicans just said, hey, Try and be Seth, Steph Curry. Be the Splash Bros. Try it. And if you do it, if you succeed, congrats. You win this game. We're going to try it again every game. So, yeah, there's spacing issues, but Alfaruk Camino was a big part of the spacing issues. He had a really hot first part of the year, second part of the year, Liability City. 
Yeah, I just don't know what the Blazers are going to do with with their bench this year. And it's not meant to, to rag on Swan again. I want to see him succeed. I do think he has a role in the league. I just don't think it was the it was the time to say you're ready. And, and I know Neil O'Shea in the back of his mind is thinking of that deal where he sent Thomas Robinson, Will Barton in a pick for Aaron Aflalo when he had CJ McCollum, you know, waiting in the wings. I don't think it's that scenario. CJ McCollum was a lottery pick. He was a four-year guy from Lehigh. He just, you looked at the tape and you could see how he was going to translate into the NBA level. Swanigan looks more like a specialist in terms of, you know, a real hustle player in the league that has the ability to be a playmaker in in a high-low offense. I, I just don't know if, if he's... If he's ready, I think Ed Davis still had some to give, and I, I think Portland lost a lot of their heart. They lost a lot of intangibles, and like you said, who's the vet? Who's the bench? I mean, we, we look at the bench, Sage, and at, at point, we're looking at Wade Baldwin and Seth Curry. The two guard, Nick Stauskas, Gary Trent, Anthony Simons. Our backup guards, there is what really concerns me is there is not a traditional distributor. There's not going to be someone who's looking to set others up. And I think that's what you really need in a backup point guard. Um, don't get me wrong. I really actually do like the signing of, of Seth Curry. I think he's going to have a breakout year. I think it's going to go down as, as one of the better moves of the offseason. But the key for Portland this year, I think, is Wade Baldwin. We all got fell in love with his his defense. And he had, you know, one good game against Memphis where he, you know, he was able to take defenders off the dribble. Can he sustain that? He looked superb in summer league. Can he really take the reins and grow into that Shabazz Napier role? Um, I'm thankful they brought him back. I have high hopes for him, but I've fallen for that trap before where I see a young player come in and show out. And then it just, it's just not sustainable. So then that's our, our really green backup guards. You look at the wing and you're looking at Evan Turner and Jake Lehman at small forward. I, I'm not comfortable with either of those two seeing any NBA action. Uh, Turner, we've, we've spoke about for the past two years. He just does not have a role on this team. He needs the ball in his hands to be effective. He bogs down the offense and it's every three or four games where he's actually hitting. Layman looked good in pre- summer league, but again, that summer that league. Summer league, yeah. And then where it gets really scary is our backup bigs. You've got Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan, second-year players, and Myers Leonard. So we went from having a surplus of bigs, you know, adding an Ed Davis and Noah Vonleh into the fold, to now I think we are so understaffed at the power forward and center positions that. Sage, I, I am really, really worried uh, about this team. Um, just looking at the roster, I, I, I think Neil Olshay's plan is to wait it out with these contracts, and I think that's the right move. But I think you can wait it out and also, you know, give Damon CJ a lifeline like mm. this. I mean, Ed Davis was a lifeline. Looking at this, the, these back, the backup front court positions. Like I'm looking at the depth chart on ESPN, and it's just I keep looking at it, and it, it's not getting any better. You, you, you can't find a, a, an NBA, a legitimate NBA backup on that. I mean, Zach Collins has potential. He definitely does, but there could but be a I, case I wanna, that he's wanna, the starter. Yeah, I, I want to, you know, pump the brakes on the Zach Collins bandwagon because 
for all that he showed last year, he still had a ton of shots that he missed and he got a ton of open looks. So I'm hopeful for his progression. I do love his defensive, you know, abilities to the potential, but I think for Portland to really break out this year, he's going to have to move into that starting lineup. And I think you're going to need to see him play alongside Nurk for this team to really kick into overdrive because we've seen Al Farouk Aminu at the four. Portland has peaked with, with this starting five. Absolutely. And honestly, he's very tradable now. Didn't ESPN make him like the 87th best player in the, the league and their stupid-ass list that no one should really pay attention to? Well, I think it was Sports Illustrated, and yes, it was a horrible list, but four Blazers made the cut. I believe Dame was 15, CJ 32. Um, Nurkic and Aminu were both 50 and, and above, so... Those rankings are just for us to get to talk, and everyone else is talking about them. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna move past it because but, we want to. You know, GMs see that list, and well, maybe Aminu could help for us. So he could he could easily be traded at the deadline or something for a package. So yeah, Zach, I think Zach Collins will have to be at the the the, the power forward position just because. We need to give him as much playing time as possible. He is the like our one chance at big successful year because if he develops into like that that star player that you know Neil O'Shea hoped and prayed he would be, that that's our one chance of doing it. Um, do you think Neil O'Shea is going to try and improve this team this year? Because you know he's un he's on an unbelievably hot seat right now. So is he gonna? make moves that will improve the team, but you know who's going to get the credit? Whoever the next GM is. They're going to get the credit for all of his moves this year. So do you think he's going to sit on his hands, or is he going to actually make a trade to improve this team and maybe keep his job? Because there's only 30 NBA GM jobs. So it's a pretty rare thing to have one. I mean, I feel like he had his chance to improve the team. When you're given a $13 million traded exception from from the Allen Crab deal what's all we heard for a year was we have this this big asset we have this big asset we're going to use it and improve the team when it comes to Neil O'Shea I'll believe it when I see it I mean once in a while he'll make a good move Plumley for Nurkic signing Nurkic however I think Portland fans need to be prepared that this is our team for the next two years like this is just how it's going to be them essentially saying we didn't really love anyone at 24, so we basically went for the highest prospect, the highest ceiling in Simons, shows me that they're going to want to keep their draft picks and they're going to want to try and draft strong and build basically their internal farm system so they have talent continuously in their 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 program because we're capped out for two more years and this is really who who we are. We are Dame and CJ. So unless unless they decide to trade Dame or CJ, this is this is the core that that we really have to you know to watch and look forward to. And, and you know, I think for Portland, for them to have a successful season, it's kind of crazy how many factors that have to go right. You know, I think if if you're a, a Blazer maniac, you want to see Maurice Harkless. Be a consistent weapon night in and night out. I don't think there's anyone 
anywhere debating that he's the starting small forward and get looking at our bench, he should have minutes. No one's beating him out of his minutes. There's minutes galore for him. Yeah. So he should bring it every night and not have to worry about looking over his shoulder. I think Zach Collins, we talked about that. He is going to need to step into that starting lineup, play solid defense, knock down the mid-range jump shot, knock down that three, run the floor, and really give Portland that size because we saw Portland's defense improved once we had Nurkic. And as good of a job as Aminu does uh, guarding some players at that stretch four, like you said, I just think he hurts us too much on offense, and I think he might be better coming in off of the bench. C.J. McCollum, I thought, had a strong playoff, but a pretty weak overall regular season. There was a lot of over-dribbling on C.J.'s part. Didn't seem he, he was pretty unreliable at the free throw line compared to his league leading uh, standard that he set the previous year in 16-17. And he just didn't seem to be the, the sharpshooter that he was in years prior. So for Portland to to take that 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 next step or even maintain, I mean, we're looking at how strong the West got they, to even maintain a playoff position. CJ is going to really have to rise into that. Ooh, is he an all star? Is he not an all star? He's not in that conversation at the moment. He needs to get to that conversation where they're saying CJ McCollum is he a snub? Like did he did did the Blazers get snubbed? They should have had two guys in in the game. So he needs to take his game to the next level. And you know, lastly, Portland has to get something from Seth Curry or Wade Baldwin. One of those two guys really has to break out, and hopefully it's both. But Portland, they, they can't go another year where it's the Damon CJ show, and that's it. We saw last year they got help from Ed Davis and Shabazz Napier on multiple occasions. They really need someone like that in the form of a Curry or Baldwin to have those games where, you know, an unsung hero wins you the game because... There's 82 ball games a year. It's not going to be Damon CJ 82 times. So, are you worried about Seth Curry's injury history? Because stress fractures are so, so temperamental. We saw Alan Crabb deal with one, and he actually dealt with it pretty well. You saw Drew Holiday on the New Orleans Pelicans not deal with it because he got played his minutes. So, I think the signing's great. But I also think that we are going to have him on a minutes restriction for the entire year. I mean, it depends. Like, I, I sure hope we're not depending on Seth Curry to play 30 minutes a night. I mean, I would hope he could play 24. I don't think that's asking too much. He did sit out all of last year. So really, it's either it's healed or or it's not. And I think we'll we'll find out pretty quick. So again, if he goes down, then you kind of have to look at next man up. I guess that's why they drafted a Simons or a Trent Jr. Like, you're just going to have to go in there and, and get buckets. And I, I actually, I was waiting for someone else to bring this up. And I think I saw someone on Blazer's Edge post something about this. Damian Lillard, he can get that $240 million extension next offseason or the offseason after that. How good do the Blazers have to be for Damian Lillard to say, you know what? Hell yeah, I'm riding this out with this team. I... I'm having a hard time buying any of this Damian Lillard wants out nonsense. I think it's really all media driven. I do as well, but there is a level of play that I think we have to, we have to be like a playoff team that has potential for him to sign that dot. Like that, that, that is his career in Portland. If he signs it, it's five years, 
he's making a lot of money. He's making 35% of the cap, but he is signed in that dotted line to Portland forever. So I would assume that he has like, this team has to be at least good for me to want to sign here. Or do you think he, he, he'll sign on the dotted line regardless because of the money that he could earn versus going anywhere else where he won't have, he's losing out on like 10% of his net worth. If Portland can't convince Damian Lillard that Portland is the best place for Damian Lillard, I think we all just need to quit basketball as Blazer fans. We're looking at a superstar level player who has embraced the city like no other trailblazer probably in history. And it's amplified even more given all of his praise to the Rose City on social media, what he does in the community, how he impacts things on and off the court, really a leader by example and basically saying every offseason, this is my team. I've always been a guy that wants to lead my team. I'm not about to jump ship and join a bandwagon super team. So I have to, based you know, based upon what Dame says, he's going to want to come back. Um, he's going to get a huge contract. And like I said, these next two years may be bleak, and maybe that's what Neil O'Shea has, has discussed with Dame. Like, this is going to have to be the, the team we ride with. But in two years, actually next year, Al Aminu comes off the books. Then the following year after that, you got Evan Turner, Maurice Harkless, Myers Leonard. Those guys are gone. If you continue to just work the cap, take on team-friendly deals, maybe you have to move uh, a Nurkic just just to get that twelve million off the books. To you know, I, I'm I'm not a capologist. I'm not going to go and and look at what the cap's projected to be in 2020. But if you're getting rid of all of that salary, there's got to be something that you're able to to add on there. And I guess that would also depend on when Dame signs that extension. So it doesn't eat up too much of, of that, of that cap right off the bat. But it seems like if, if there's a a two year plan, if he's been briefed on it and says, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Are you cool with it? Like there's a potential chance that we could bring players to you. You know, are you cool with that? Obviously there's a huge level of risk because Portland has really never been able to draw free agents to, to the city. But really, the Blazers don't have any other option. They're going to have to keep drafting incredibly well because when you have players like Damon, CJ, and Nurk, you're never going to be bad enough to get in that top half of the lottery. You're always going to be hovering around the teens, sometimes in the in the mid-20s like they were this past year. So that puts the onus on, on ownership and management to to scout extremely well and try and find those diamonds in the rough. But you know, back to your question, I just have a hard time seeing Dame Lillard really wanting out. I think it's media driven. Um, People are saying, I think it's more people are inquiring about Dame than the other way around. And it's the same thing about Anthony Davis, which you heard for years. Oh, he's going to leave. He's going to leave. I, I, I don't buy it. So you, you, you just said that we, we, I mean, is Rod Strickland the best free agent we've ever signed? Strickland, Brian Grant, Andre Miller, those are probably our top three. So would you be more of a fan of when it when Evan Turner and all that money is, you know, they're on their last year and they're actually tradable? Would you rather trade those guys for actual players that are that are good and say, We made these trades, this is our free agency right here. Here's established assets that are on multiple year deals. This is our free agency. It's 
this dude, this dude, and this dude, and we traded all of our bad assets for it, or all of our expiring assets for these guys, and this is our free agency, so we may not do anything at free agency, but this is the team that we 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 built. Or do you think we're gonna try and like talk to you know the free agent of the day? I really think it all depends on that crop of 2020 free agents, the realistic ability, the realistic probability of those top guys. Do you think they're locked in? I mean, Neil O'Shea knows he talks to agents. He can see, you know, is this guy looking to get out? Is this guy, you know, want, you know, wanting to uh, stay loyal? And what players are you bringing in for these trades? I think whatever gives you the greater return Mm. you go with, I don't, I don't think you put yourself you don't, you know, silo yourself into one one camp or or the other. Um, I, I do think if Portland wants to upgrade the roster, I think trading it is is the best best bet. We're seeing disgruntled superstars at probably the highest rate that I can remember. Maybe it's because we're in the social media era, but I mean, you're t- looking at guys like Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler. Um, who else just got moved? Kawhi Leonard. Um, just, you're just looking at a plethora of max level caliber players who are demanding to move. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we we Paul George was another. We had a chance. We we made a good we offer. We got second place, bro, and that means something. Place. That Hell means yeah. something. That's why Neil O'Shea has his job right now. He's very braggadocious about. You know, we were second place for this asset. We are second place for this player. Second place doesn't mean shit if you don't have the player. I mean, your Blazers are looking a whole different team if you're rolling out Dame, CJ, Paul George, Paul George, Aminu, and Nurkic. I mean, that's probably top two in the West. I think that 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 takes the cake over over the Rockets. Um, but shit happens. That's the way the cookie crumbled and, and Kevin Pritchard decided to deal with Oklahoma city and it turned out to be a good deal getting, you know, Victor Oladipo out of it. And Sabas looks has potential. Exactly. But I, I think as long as Damien is on board with the waiting game, everything will be, everything will be okay because there's going to come a time and place where Portland's got to pull the trigger. I, I think the best thing, if you're a Trailblazer fan, is our young players play well. Maybe that's the reason they decided to let Ed go so they could showcase a guy like Caleb Swanigan. Uh, Yusuf or er, Zach Collins, is he playing well? You can package together a couple of picks. We've got an expiring deal now for Rukuminu. Now all of a sudden you're, you're in a sweepstakes for, for maybe a Jimmy Butler who Minnesota is just having – massive internal turmoil and he's a free agent so put together a really nice package for a guy you're trying to woo for a year again inherent risk comes with that but toronto rolled toronto rolled the dice with Kawhi. oklahoma city did with paul georgian all we heard all all year long was los angeles los angeles los angeles what did he do didn't even give those fuckers a meeting it's like i'm gonna sign my mega deal with okc and i'm gonna see you guys later You know, we had all these plans for like a really, you know, fun and, you know, a lot of topics. But we've only, we talked about the uh, free agency for about 30 minutes, which is like a, you know, a TV show worth of, (laughs) worth of content. But, uh, you know, the, the season is upon us. 
and we talked about the games that excite us the most. How do you want to start this? Do you want to start with the number one game that we're most excited to see or go three to one? Mm, I'll let you kick us off. You give me your three and I'll give you my three. All right. Well, obviously it isn't going to be a list without a Pelican Blazer game at number three. I mean, yo, I can't lie to myself. Those games get me more hyped than any other. So, but I'm putting that as three, not to look too homery for the other side. Which one? Which pellet? The first one? So, here's a little insight to me talking to people about being my dates to this game, because I feel like you don't need to deal with the lunatic that I am when I watch the Pelicans play both games. I think number one, I'm going to watch it with you. Number two, you know, I'll let you take a little bit of a break and uh, take a few other people so you don't have to deal with the full brunt of the, the, the raging hippopotamus that is me during these games. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go the first Pelican game, I think, in November, early November. November 1, to be exact. Um, I know this is selfish for, you know, the people that work for the Trailblazers, but I'm kind of excited to see a Christmas Day game involving the trailblazers i know like you worked for the team and you know the 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 pressures of not of seeing a blazer game on christmas that the people that work for the team aren't going to be with their families and i that sucks but i get to see the blazers with my family and i'm pretty hyped for that and number one i think you know it's opening day it's the opening day of the season but it's also lebron james's first game as a laker you get to see all of the the hysteria that is the LA Lakers. I'm sad that I won't go, but my wallet really thanks me. So what are your three teams? Starting at number three, I've got Sunday, April 7th versus the Denver Nuggets. It's the second to last home game and the third to last game. Uh, it is the back-to-back, is the second half of a back-to-back with Denver. So Ooh, that's Friday, a tough April one. 5th. We play in Mile High City against Nuggets, and then Sunday they come back to Portland. The series has been uh, predominantly Mm home-dominated by each team, and the reason this is my number three game over all of the games is because I expect a photo finish just like last year where basically two games separated you from the third seed or the lottery, and I think Denver is going to be a team primed to make a playoff push just like the Trailblazers. This could frankly be for the division title. This could be for a playoff spot. This could be for seeding. I just have a gut feeling that it's all going to come to head on that night, Sunday, April 7th, uh, against the Nuggets. That just, to me, seems like it's going to be a, a fantastic matchup. Uh, it's always great because of the, the Nurkic Jokic, you know, storyline, you know, I wish you guys a happy summer. Portland has made the playoffs the past two years. Denver, while always considered as an up-and-coming team, still hasn't quite put it together. You've got Will Barton coming back, who has made himself into a fabulous NBA basketball player. They have got a lot of young guys who are still trying to find their their niche in, in the NBA. You've got, you know, Jamal Murray and Gary Harris and... Then you've got this addition in Isaiah Thomas that I think really went under the radar, and I think he's going to have a fantastic year. And if he buys in, that Denver team could be really dangerous. So that's definitely why I put that game as, ooh, excuse me, as my number three. 
My number two game is the the first Oklahoma City game we play against them. That is January 4th. Um, I traded this ticket, so I have half-season tickets, so I'm going, but I gave up the other half to Evan in exchange for one of those fire 2018 Las Vegas Summer League T-shirts. All right, all right, all right. So you know anytime I get to go to a game with Evan, it, it gets pretty wild. Uh, we always, you know, get the bruise and – He's pretty much a good luck charm in that regular season when we win. Um, we saw the Warriors, the Wolves, and the Thunder last year. That was all part of the 13-game win streak, and we came out, you know, unbeaten. So hopefully we get to see that um, that continue because the the Thunder Blazer games are always amazing, regardless of whether Kevin Durant is there or not. You know, Westbrook just doesn't seem to play. He gets as so emotional during the and game, I love bro. Her. There's just so much. He tries emotion. to play Dame. He th- he plays Dame ball when he's not the type of guy that should be pulling up from thirty. Like he, yo, slash, you're really good at that. But nah, he's like he gets emotional. Like there's someone that just gets up in his crawl about it, and he's just like, I'm Damian Lillard. Uh, you stole my number one game. I mean, I think it's got to be number one for for a lot of people. But Blazers Lakers opening night. Thursday TNT, I, I really – it doesn't even matter that, that that LeBron's on the Lakers. It's just Blazers-Lakers. As soon as I found out that we were opening against them, like it kind of kick-started my, my energy for the season. Um, I was pretty down after the offseason that we had, especially after the way we finished the year against the Pelicans in the postseason. But to know we're, we're kicking it off against the Lakers, we finally get them twice in the Rose City. And, in fact, they come back pretty frequently – on November 3rd. So both of those Laker games are, are ones that I'm going to to look forward to. Just the the arena just has a, a fever pitch to it. There's you can just kind of feel the energy. Everyone's jacked up. Uh, Dame usually has incredible games against the the purple and gold. You know, just look back to that that streak he went on um, in Los Angeles again during that 13 game winning streak and hitting that game winner over Brandon Ingram I think that's going to be a a fantastic a fantastic game and when everyone was like why did they choose Blazers as LeBron's opener and I kind of wanted to say are you fucking stupid like the Blazers and Lakers have some of the most classic contests the Lakers have so much struggle playing Portland in Portland Portland fans hate the Lakers I know it may not be Lakers rival but it's our rival and we treat it like that and it's gonna be it's gonna be one hell of a ride. So now that we looked over our top three games, we are we are excited for. I need a sage hot take to get me through this podcast. What what is one hot take that you think is gonna happen in in reference to the Trailblazers this upcoming season? I, I could definitely see a uh, like a world. no no not not oh, I can definitely okay, see okay all right this you know what is we're firing happen we're firing both our GM and coach by the end of the year that's my hot take but I wanted to talk before we get into the hot take your hot takes I want to make another hot take we got fucked by the schedule gods this year of course we get play, we travel the most of course right we live in Oregon. There's not many NBA teams in our region. So, of course, we travel more than anyone else. But 
we get screwed on the amount of rest that we get. You know how tired you are after you, you fly from Portland to D.C.? It's exhausting. So we don't even get a day of rest after we travel to D.C. We got screwed. We are one of, we, we definitely got screwed based on the amount of rest that we got and the amount of travel we got. So I guess that's a two for one. Schedule gods fucked us and then our two, our coach and GM are getting fired. The Portland Trailblazers will trade Alfarukaminu before the deadline. Oh, man. Yeah, that, I mean, I've talked about that twice already. <laughs> that's a hot take. Nobody else is talking about this. Well, that's why people tune into the whole backboard for hot takes and stuff that probably will happen because it makes sense for our team. I mean, I it, think... it puts the onus on Zach Collins, like, having the responsibility of being the starting power forward because there is no eight top 80 player in the league backing him up. It is his job. He has to get used to that responsibility of being a starting power forward and guarding all of those beast power forwards that are in the league right now. So I, th- I think that's a that is a has a very good chance of happening. And it, you know, it's not that much of a hot take to be completely honest with you. Hey, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> I love you too. It's been <laughs> it's been such a long time since you told me to fuck off, man. So I I I, I missed it, you know. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin and Sage here getting ready to break down the top 15 teams in the Western Conference, 1 through 15. Sage, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to say a a number, and we'll start with 15. I'll give my team, you'll give your team, and we'll kind of just go like that till we get to 1. I'm sure there's going to be times where we have the the same squad listed at at a certain number, which will help uh, the process up a bit. Uh, full disclosure, I don't know my man's rankings. He doesn't know mine. Uh, I, I did mine. Uh, I've been thinking about mine a bit and finally put them, you know, pen to paper on, on my bus ride home from work. So Sage, let's kick things off at number 15. I have the Sacramento Kings. Ooh, I have the Suns because they don't have a real point guard. So I have the Kings because they, I think are now the official laughing stock of the NBA. I mean, cutting Papa Giannis, taking him, they they now do not get their pick because of that pick swap just to just just to ensure they could have enough cap space to sign Rajon Rondo four years ago and get rid of Carl Landry's contract. That pick now goes to to Philadelphia. They they're super young. Um, they have De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald. And they drafted Marvin Bagley, who I'm not sure how well he fits. I would be surprised if this team wins 20 games. Who do you have at 15? I had the Suns, but it's just because I look at the team and they don't have a a point guard. I mean, like people are saying Devin Booker is going to play point, and that scares me because they're all young and, you know, Booker takes a shitload of shots. But honestly... That Kings pick is kind of making me feel bad about picking the Suns 15. Well, don't feel too bad because I picked Phoenix at, at 14. And the reason is I I really like some of the moves that, that they made. Obviously, they landed DeAndre Ayton. I think he's going to have a, a f- phenomenal rookie year. Booker is sidelined with that hand injury, but he's good for 20 to 25 a night. Um, we both are huge TJ Warren fans. They added a veteran in Trevor Ariza, 
I think Ryan Anderson's going to play pretty well off of the ball uh, against DeAndre Ayton. I think they're going to be a team that they're not going to win a lot, but they're going to scare the living shit out of quite a few teams this year. Yes, they don't have a true point guard, but they have a lot of nice pieces. They're flying the wings. They're fine. They, they are loaded with wings in today's NBA. That that is basically like pure gold. Um, who do you have at fourteen? I have the Kings. I mean, they really suck. <laughs> do they have a real player? They they have like a starting caliber caliber player right now. Buddy Heald, I guess. I don't think so. So it's like you're spending your cap room on guys like uh, Yogi Ferrell. When you don't know who the hell is good enough to start on your team, so they're misusing their funds because they have a lot of it. But, like, you're signing players to contracts where it's like, eh, yeah, yeah, it's a role, but our young guy probably could use those minutes as well. But, yeah, those those two teams are easily bottom two of the West. At 13, I went with the Dallas Mavericks. I do mm-hmm. like that they picked up uh, Luka Doncic. Um, I think that... I think Dennis Smith is going to have a, a breakout year. And they, they, they brought in DeAndre Jordan. However, looking at their bench, it is a shit show. And that's the reason I don't have them higher. You never know how much Dirk's going to play. Wesley Matthews has had injury concerns. And I, I'm just, I, I don't think that their bench, you know, Maximilian Kleber, Dwight Powell, Devin Harris, Doreen Finney-Smith. J.J. Barea, I think that could be the the worst bench in the entire league. That's why I don't have them any higher. Who do you have at 13? I have them as well, but it's like, how do you think Doncic and Dennis Smith will do as a duo in the backcourt? Because they seem to both really need the ball to be successful. So who's going to take that backseat? Is it Dennis Smith Jr., even though he looked pretty damn legit in spurts last year? I mean, I think it's too soon. It's just too soon. I think one of them is going to have to come together with a jump shot and just learn to play off the ball. I think Dennis Smith has a better chance at playing off of the ball. If I'm being perfectly honest, um, what was what did you what was your player comp for him last year when you saw him play? Dennis Smith. Yeah. Stevie Franchise. Yeah. So it's like it was a legitimate point guard. At least Stevie Franchise was for a while. I mean, that's why he has the. The nickname franchise, because he was a, the franchise player for a while. So it's like, damn, you're taking away his ability to be great for Doncic, who honestly could be transcendent, so it might be worth it. But damn, that sucks for Dennis Smith Jr. At 12, I have the the LA Clippers. Mm-hmm. This, this team was hard to peg. I almost put Dallas ahead of them. They have a lot of players who I don't think will end up in a Clipper uniform at the end of the year. They have a lot of trade assets, man. Avery Bradley, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, uh, Danilo Gallinari, Tobias Harris. I mean, Marcin Gortat. They have a lot of players that Mar- they could... Uh, Harrell as well. They yeah, Super they brought, hustle, man. Brought back Harrell. Um, it's just a weird group of, of basketball players that I, I don't really love. It's kind of like they- a fantasy basketball team, bro. Like, let's just throw all the mid-level guys together, see what the fuck happens. Did you have the Clippers at 12 as well? Yeah, I did. I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's just up. Like, they're not, they're, they have assets, but they're, I don't know how they'll play together. And Gortat's been washed for this entire year, so to expect him to do anything is asking a lot. I mean, this team would have been dope in, like, 2014. Oh, my God, dog. That would have been, been the squad, bro. You would have had so much scoring. I think they'll beat us, though. They have a lot of players that are designed to beat the Portland Trailblazers. 
So don't be upset when they beat us. I'm not just so many wings. And Patrick, if Patrick's healthy, uh, Dame eats Patrick for breakfast. Oh. I ain't worried about okay. no clip show. Uh, at 11, I have the Memphis Grizzlies, and I think this is where it really starts to get competitive in the Western Conference. Probably any other year, Memphis would make that top eight. They went out, they signed Kyle Anderson away from the San Antonio Spurs, Dylan Brooks. The Oregon product had a phenomenal... Did you uh, think he was going to be good? I had no idea he was going to be this good. He, yeah. played, he played four at Oregon and really looked slow at, at playing the four. Like, he just looked overmatched and... Um, excuse me, he didn't look slow playing the four. He looked slow when he played the wing, but when he played the four, he looked you know really well. Now he's playing the wing and he's he's able to get a shot off. No, that was a, a steal by Memphis. You know, Marcus and Mike Conley, like we've seen this show before in Memphis. Neither has been able to stay healthy, primarily Conley. Gasol's 33. Their wings are, are just shit, though. I mean, they, they, they haven't had a good wing since Rudy Gay, and I don't think Rudy Gay is all that good. So, have them at 11. Who do you have, Sage? I have them as well, but, man, I was so worried that they would pick Doncic. Because th- I think that would have made that team scary in my mind. But uh, the guy from Michigan State, like... Jaron Jackson. Jaron Jackson could be very good, but... He doesn't scare me like Doncic would have in that uniform, so I'm very happy that they picked him at two. At ten, I have a bit of a wild card, and this is projecting a bit. I have the Minnesota Timberwolves. Woo! That's a drop-off! And they have talent, but they are going to implode. Jimmy Butler does not like Carl Anthony Towns. Andrew Wiggins has not taken that next step. Tom Thibodeau has been granted GM and coaching powers, and that just never works out in the NBA. And he's bringing back the 2012 Chicago Bulls like it's a high school fucking reunion. <laughs> and they just got Lou Aldang. They have Taj Gibson. They have Derrick Rose. They're probably going to get Joakim Noah. It does not seem like a recipe for success. And I don't think they have a true leader on that team. It's certainly not Jeff Teague. Carl Anthony Towns has kind of disappointed me. During his rookie year, I was like, this guy's better than Anthony Davis. Like, he's going to be better. And he just has not proven that he is that type of star franchise player. Yes, he is incredible, top 20 guy. But he doesn't have the intangibles that a guy like like Damian Lillard has that you, you know you can just trust your franchise with him. So Jimmy Butler's a free agent at the end of the season. I expect he will be moved at the deadline. Absolutely. Things are going to get bad in Minnesota. They do not like Tom Thibodeau. Um, I just don't see it working out at all. That's why I have them at 10. Who do you have, Sage? I, okay, I had Denver. But what I will say about uh, Minnesota excuse me, is, man, even the people at Dash Radio hate Tom Thibodeau. So when people that watch this team every single day, like we watch the Blazers, hate their coach... It means something. And then seeing Jimmy Butler, like, just fucking detest who he's being coached by. It's like, or not being coached by, but, like, the star players around him. Man, that is a locker room that has a lot of potential to pop off in a lot of bad ways. I think Denver is just that team that has the potential but won't reach it and... Who's that small forward that everyone was hyped about that played, like, a few games at Missouri? Uh, Porter. 
Auto, uh, Michael Porter. Michael Porter Jr. Yeah. Like, I think it's fantastic that they got him, but it's not ready. I don't think they're ready yet, and that defense scares me, man. Paul Paul Millsap's the only defender, and Gary Harris are the only two defenders on that team. I could see them being at the 10 spot. So, at number nine, this was tough. I went San Antonio Spurs. Woo! Yes, I know they made it last year with only nine games of Kawhi Leonard, and they essentially got DeMar DeRozan to fill that void. But they let Kyle Anderson go. They traded Danny Green in the process. And my God, their front court is a disaster. Pau Gasol, Jakob Pertl as your centers. LaMarcus had an incredible year. I don't know how much left he has in the tank. They do not have any backup bigs. um, And you're really relying on... Their point guards, DeJounte Murray, Patty Mills, and Derek White to really help that 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 bench because yes, I know they got Marco Bellinelli. Who the fuck knows what he has left in the tank? Um it, it was very close. I think they're gonna it was tough leaving them off. I just looked at that bench and I cringed. I looked at that that defense in the middle, I cringed harder. And I, 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 Mono Ginobili retired. I think this is the time the Spurs are just going to have to just blow it up. Like this, it has finally ended. The sun is setting on the San Antonio Spurs. I was go- I'm going Minnesota. Okay. Man, Popovich is transcendent. He's so good that he could take this piece of shit team that he has and turn it into, you know, something okay that will get eliminated when they play the Warriors. I just can't. I can't. I don't have the ball, the testicular fortitude to say this team won't won't be in the playoffs. So Minnesota's my team at nine. So at eight, I have the Denver Nuggets. Initially, I was going to leave them out, but I really love that pickup of Isaiah Thomas. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have a bounce back year. He was a top five MVP candidate just two years ago. I don't love the fact that Jamal Murray is going to be their starting point guard. I think they need more of a true distributor. Um, They play very hectic, but they have one of the best home court advantages in basketball playing above altitude. Millsap, his health is key. He missed like three or four months last year with a wrist and he never got fully, you know, acclimated to the offense. Um, I obviously love Will Barton. I, I think they're a, I think their Achilles is going to be not having a star player. I don't believe Jokic is a top 20 player. I, I'm not buying his hype. He is a really awesome third wheel to have. Mm-hmm. And Gary Harris is an awesome young player to have coming up. Same they thing. got a lot of third, third wheels, man. Yes, they have so many third wheels, and they have so many like pretty good like pretty good players. Mm-hmm. They, they don't have that star that's going to put them on the back and get them that bucket when they need it. Um, I've heard a lot of people putting them at third in the West, you know, home court advantage. I don't see it. Um, I think they need a little bit more. I think they're probably going to have to trade Harris or Murray to get that get that piece. Um, but I do think this is year they finally break through and, and make the playoffs. Who do you have at number eight, Sage? That's Spurs. Okay. Um, do you think they're going to trade one of those star, those good third wheels for like a legitimate point guard? I mean, I don't even know if you need a point guard if Isaiah Thomas plays well. I, I just think you you need whoever if Jimmy Butler is available and you could get him for for Gary Harris. Make that trade. Make that trade. Jimmy Butler still got some some left in the tank. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I, I just think if you're or, you know, if, if they really do believe that those two guards, Murray and Harris, are are going to grow into star caliber players, then, you know, by all means, let that cake bake because we know the Warriors aren't going to lose for the next few years. So it just really depends on your internal timeline. Uh, at number seven, I have the L.A. Lakers. Um, this is only because of LeBron. I hate every other offseason move that they did, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do miss the playoffs. If LeBron misses any time, I I, I just don't know what they're going to do. McGee is a, a knucklehead. Uh, Rajon Rondo comes with quite a bit of baggage. Lance Stevenson's a knucklehead. Um, Contavious Caldwell-Pope couldn't travel to certain games last year because he was on house arrest. Um, I, I really don't love their team or their makeup. It's, this is the LeBron James effect. That is 100% the case here. The one thing I will say about Rondo, I think he will be good for Alonzo Ball. Because well, uh, Rondo really takes pride in making sure that his other point guards are on top of their shit. I mean, look what he did to Drew Holiday. Like, dude turned into, you know, an all-first-team defensive player, turned into a pretty damn good scorer. Like, I, that Rajon Rondo effect definitely will help Lonzo. But, man, I didn't like any other moves. Who do you have at seven? It was It's between us and the Lakers. And Who did wanna, you pick? I wanted to be a homer, so I picked the Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> So I was flip-flopping as well. I do have the Blazers at six. To be completely transparent, I could see Portland as high as three and as low as 11 this yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm not trying to put that juju in the world right now. Like, you know, anything is possible right now. No games have been played. Everybody's healthy, I think. So, like, we're good to go for right now. And if... LeBron is getting the Lakers the seventh seed. The reason I have Portland in the playoffs is solely based upon Damian Lillard. That is the only reason I have Portland in the playoffs. I I think he's, if I think he is as good as he is, he will find a way to get this team there, bearing any injuries to any key, key personnel. Um, It's going to be a struggle. Uh, They're going to have to minimize the, the amount of consecutive losses try to string together series of wins, like three out of four, six out of eight, um, protect home court. You cannot lose seven to eight straight consecutive games on your home floor. You got to win 30 plus on your home court and beat the teams you're supposed to. I mean, no more losing to the Dallas Mavericks and the Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, Portland needs to, needs to show up and show out this year because I think the, the seats are hot. The birds are, you know, the voices are talking, and I think those those chirps are only going to get louder and louder if this team does not make the, the postseason. Um, at number five, I have the Utah Jazz. I, I'm not quite buying into the hype that they're the third best team in the West. Some have them as the second. Uh, Rudy Gobert has still not shown a, an ability to stay healthy for an entire season, and he is really their their X factor. The the Jazz kind of go as Gobert goes. Um, but they do have a full season with Jay Crowder, which I, I loved that pickup. Ricky Rubio um, just fits that team like a glove. Um, Ingles, just I don't know how he gets it done, but he is just an assassin yeah. from from that that three point line. And obviously Donovan Mitchell, does he have a sophomore slump or does he take his game to another level? Because I think that's you know health is across the board, but for me. 
it, it's it's Donovan Mitchell because that team didn't really improve this year. Like they're really running it back, but they had a favorable matchup in the postseason. They handled business against Oklahoma City. Now everyone has them as the darling out west. Who do you have at five, Sage? So this was tough for me. It was between New Orleans and Utah. And I don't know if me as a Pelican fan can actually put my team at four. So Pelicans are five. Um, it really depends on... I, I think Alfred Payton is a really big X factor for him. Like, at first I hated the signing, but then as I looked deeper into the signing, I thought, damn, this is a Pelicans player. If you look at his stats, he was the number one player in the NBA at getting to the rim, which is a huge thing in the Gentry offense. It allows for Julius Randle and Anthony Davis and Nico Meritix to get rebounds and Kobe assists, which I don't think we'll be getting many of those this year. And uh, yeah, but I just I just couldn't put it. They need shooters. I think they will make trades to get a shooter, but as the team stands right now, they're the fifth seed for me. So you obviously said number four is Utah. For you, number four for me is Oklahoma City. I wanted to put them higher, but Russell Westbrook's having knee surgery. His game is predicated on athleticism. What's going to happen? I think they can get by in the interim. I don't know where this Dennis Dennis Schroeder like bashing came from, but he's a serviceable NBA player. The big addition was the subtraction of Carmelo Anthony. I don't know why um, Billy Donovan continued to play him in the fourth. They would build leads with with Jeremy Grant playing the four and bring him in there, and they just kind of shit the bed. Uh, no Melo is going to make this team much more dangerous. A healthy season of, of Andre Robertson, and you know I really like how this this Thunder team is coming together as long as Westbrook again can stay healthy. And a sneaky pick pickup, Nerlens Noel to back up uh, Steven Adams. At number three, Sage, uh, don't. <laughs> I have the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, I don't know why they're not getting more, more love. They essentially stopped the hottest team in the NBA cold in their tracks. And I, I'm not worried one bit that they let Rajon Rondo go. Um, I think Drew Holiday is is point guard enough for for that team. Essentially, I think he does a fantastic job defensively. I think he and Anthony Davis are really one of the best duos in the game. And Holiday's health and his turnaround into an elite NBA player really saved the, the franchise in New Orleans because it was looking for a while like it, they were kind of stuck in, in mediocrity. Love the pickup of Julius Randle. I think the biggest thing is going to be how does that play out with, with Nico Miritich um, and Randall and Anthony Davis? Obviously, all three can't be on the floor at one time. I think they may have to move one and, and get a, a shooting guard. If they could just get, you know, a Joe Ingles type of player at, at the two, um, I, I think they're, they're going to be nasty. But I think that the Pelicans, whether they finish third or not, I still think they're the third best team. I think they're one of those teams you're just not going to want to play in a seven-game series. So I have the Thunder. Couldn't, you know. Yeah. Oh, um, well, I might need a little time to towel off. Goddamn. <laughs> uh, I, I think we both yeah. have two and one, yeah. Houston and Golden State. Fuck both teams. Fuck both of them. Um, I think Houston's going to take a major step back this year. Carmelo Anthony is not going to help them. 
they they lost Ariza. I think everyone got a year older. Uh, really weird trade to to bring in Brandon Knight and, and Marcus Chris. Um, not really sure what what they're doing there. Um, just I think Daryl Morey out. Daryl Morey. Yeah, he's him, trying to felt, be a little too cute. Yeah, I, I do not like what what they did and Golden State getting. Boogie Cousins is just kind of a disgrace to the entire NBA. So, Fuck uh, Boogie that, Cousins. That's how I, I I see we see things shaking up out, out west. Sage, I think before we wrap it up, we have uh, some some fan questions that uh, our loyal listeners just wanted to. They they were just so excited that we were broadcasting again. So let's get to it. Uh, Keith from the Trailcasters ha- has quite a few. Uh, let's just kind of rattle them off. One, how critical is it that the Blazers win their home opener? How critical is that to the rest of their season? Not very at all. I mean, I know that there's a really long streak, but one game doesn't set off a season. The the entire it's a it's a book. You can't get upset that book page one of your book sucks. If page two and 82 are great. I don't really care about this this, this first game. But I, I know you would want to see it because you're going to be there, which has, I think. It doesn't have anything to do with me being there. I think it is a huge game. One, it's your home opener. Portland has that streak of winning home games. I think it's up to 17 or, or something uh, pretty ridiculous like that. Two, you're playing LeBron on national television. Three, it's against a team that you're battling for playoff position. Every game, it has always mattered, but even more so this year with how competitive the Western Conference is. If you want to make the playoffs, you have to protect home court and you have to beat teams that you're vying for essentially the same position. I, I don't think, obviously, the season's not over if we lose, but Portland's in a position where if things start unraveling a bit, it could go down in a hurry because we're essentially playing this waiting game and... Losing does not help out with patience. Mm. So I think Portland needs to get off on a good, good, solid foot, get that taste out of their mouth from the postseason. I mean, I just don't think the the franchise can afford a slow start, and it all starts October 18th against the, the Lakers. Um, does Anthony Simons get rotation minutes before the All-Star break or after? I think he's going to be a red shirt player this year and just learn from Damian and CJ. I mean, like, Greatness breeds greatness, and this kid is like a will be like a sponge this year. I don't really think he'll play that much, but he's gonna learn a lot from our two star guards. And if he plays a lot, that isn't good for our team. I'm just saying. Yeah, we're fucked it if Simon's is getting <laughs> minutes. So I'll I'll leave my answer at that. Um, and lastly, how many more threes will Portland make this year? Do you think our three point shooting will improve? Yeah, because Al Farouk's going to have to take less by default of adding Nick and uh, 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 Curry. So I guess it will. But I don't know how much it would improve. Maybe a game, of, uh, a shot a game or something like that. Something really minimal. I don't expect us to hit be shooting a barrage of threes with the, the shooters that we have. It's still like only three shooters. So really Seth is taking a Alan Crabb's role that, hasn't been, well, that was filled by Al Farouk. So maybe it will get better, but not by much. Yeah, I'm I'm already getting on that Seth Curry bandwagon. I think he's gonna 
he's going to he's going to be a flamethrower this year. So I think we'll definitely hit more threes because he's going to be I think we're going to see a, a three guard lineup of, of Seth, CJ and Dame. And I think that could cause uh, some problems for defenses, uh, given that spacing and the accuracy from from beyond the arc. Uh, lastly, from uh, David McKay. Uh, wants to know what happens if Yusuf Nurkic goes down. How does that impact our, our defensive rating? It affects it a lot because we don't have shit backing him up. So, it, 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 I mean, Nurk's health is a humongous key this year. Unless we swing a trade for someone respectable, we have non-respectable-ass backups. Unless you think Zach Collins can play five for the the time that Nurk's out, man. That scares me so much that a big chunk of our season is dependent on Nurkic staying healthy. And I mean, like, you're 300 pounds and 7 feet. Shit goes wrong sometimes. So that ner- that makes me nervous, man. I would really like to have, like, a a defensive specialist to come back, like, to just sign that team-friendly two-year where, you know... Oh, Ed Davis? Shit. <laughs> I, I wasn't even thinking that high of caliber. I was just thinking, like... Get someone to get a few rebounds and not be terrible. So what? What is our big rotation if everything's healthy? Are, do you count the small forwards as bigs or just power forwards? Uh, sure, you can do the. You can do small three through five. Well, I think you're gonna have Mo and Evan sharing the, the three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nurk's gonna be the five. I think Myers is actually his backup at five. Um, and I think Zach eventually will start. Aminu is going to come off the bench, and I think Caleb's going to be the guy who comes in fifth, if, some, if somebody's hurt or if foul trouble takes place. So he's the fifth big. Yes. Man, that's nerve wracking. Whew. Knock on wood for great, great health, man, because we're going to need that shit. Um. It's All time right. Sage's two uh, K corner. Bump steel sucked. Fix that shit, 2K. I think that's the quickest Sage's 2K corner we've had in a minute. Uh, it was great rapping with you again, Sage. Uh, we'll be back with more regularly uh, scheduled content. Uh, the Blazers kick off the preseason September 29th against the Raptors in British Columbia. So we'll get the content out and about as the, the preseason kicks off. Sage, it was wonderful kicking it with you once again. And thank you again to all of our listeners. Uh, Listen to and subscribe. Leave us that five-star rating. Uh, You can find our podcast, Holy Backboard, on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Uh, We're on Dash Radio, Tuesdays, 2 to 3 p.m. Sage, any final words? Tell a friend to tell a friend about us, man. Word of mouth still is important. If you fuck with us, if you really fuck with us, tell your friends about the Holy Backboard. And we keep it real here. And, uh, you know, it was really great to be back. I'm really excited basketball's here. And we out of here, man. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's